Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. I spent a little bit of time last Thursday afternoon at the South African team hotel, and I came back worried, Murph and Simon. Extremely worried. You saw how pale I was, girl. Yes. When you see... Ebenezer dragging his massive body along a corridor for 30 seconds. It dawns on you, they make him big down there. <laughs> He's six foot eight, 18 and a bit stone. Uh, uh, He's more than 18 stone, surely. No, according to, well, there are some slightly differing stats, but I'm getting in and around 18, 3, 18, 4. I would have thought more. Yeah. But let's you go. Want to do there. a few fucking weights. I know. <laughs> yeah. Fill out that frame of yours. And you know what they say, a good big one beats a good little one. <laughs> so I was concerned for our little one. Ian Henderson. Oh, tiny. Yeah, tiny only, tot Ian Henderson. Only six, Adorable. Yeah, only six foot seven. To, uh, uh, it's about six foot eight. And also 18 and a bit stone. Mm. Uh, I did really. I, f- I felt little Ian might be have his work cut out trying mm. to compete physically until he grabbed the ball in 22 minutes and decided to go the direct route through the big fella. I needn't have worried. Henderson burst through Etzebeth like he was a mere six foot six <laughs> and 17 stone. And he set the tone for a complete destruction. Poor Etzebeth. He must be light boned or something. Africa. Yeah. There's something going on there. Yeah. He's got to be up and around. He's got to be up around 1920 stone. Willowy Lock it. Maybe he is. Simon, Ireland 38, South Africa 3. It brooks no argument. Why aren't we celebrating this as one of the great results? You were telling me last week how important this match was. It's not just a friendly. That's not the way it works in mm-hmm. rugby. These are World Cup opponents. We're trying out new players. This is To win this would be a big, a big statement. And we've won it by 35 points. So I put it to you. This is one of the great results of all time. I would argue the last 10 minutes was a bit of a statement. But I found the other 70 minutes difficult to enjoy because I could not believe how... I mean, there were lots of deficiencies about the South African game, but their naivety, like it, the way they kicked to Rob Carney, Yantes in particular, uh, the way they approached the breakdown, the way their back three couldn't deal with a basic high ball. I mean, the one thing they were absolutely certain of, if you were coaching South Africa, was that they were going to be rained down with high balls from Murray and Sexton. I mean, a guarantee, probably five of them in the first 10 minutes... And they just looked, they looked scared. They looked like they hadn't prepared. The rest of the team weren't coming around the fullback or the wingers when they were receiving a ball that they definitely weren't going to catch. 
and then the first try just felt like Conway showed good pace and actually good handling to sort of grasp out and run for it. But that was like something you see from 20 years ago where nobody's expecting the ball to bounce a strange way off a high ball. And that happens 80%. (laughs) How often do you actually see a clean catch? It always goes sideways, bounces strangely, and it's all about how you react. A bit like the second ball in, in, you know, off Daryl Murphy. It's like something strange is going to happen off this and then it's how you react and you have five, six, seven men around it. For somebody to run clean through like that, you feel a little bit empty. You don't get a huge amount of satisfaction from it. So what was par for Ireland... Uh, in a performance versus what South Africa were doing. I would say for the last 10 minutes, they were hitting eagles or whatever. They were, <laughs> I thought it was really good. Like the last try involved Kilcoyne, Marmion, Carberry, Stockdale, Henshaw, people from four different provinces who hadn't played together at all, really. Um, all doing things at pace, making the right decisions and skill-wise, like the wide pass in particular were beautiful. Carberry's depth, um, Kilcoyne's pullback, which was very sort of tight furlong e, mm. you know, Southern Hemisphere, well, New Zealand props, let's say now, forget about Southern Hemisphere props. It was class from start to finish. And that's the hardest bit of international coaching is getting those different players who haven't played much international rugby at all, who haven't played together at all much, doing the most difficult thing in rugby. And I, I really, really enjoyed the last try. Yeah, Craig Ray tweeted and said that he watched the game again, really got the feeling that uh, Alistair Cutsey, the coach, has lost the dressing room. That performance with players bordered on mutinous. So that's a bit of a flavour of what they're thinking. That was the other thing. I felt like they didn't care that. at times. Which is, which is what takes away from my rather flippant comment that it's one of our all-time great results. But mm. on, on paper... It is, and it, certainly the last 10 minutes was one of the best spells of rugby. Three tries, wasn't it, the last 10 minutes, including mm. that amazing one. The, the penultimate one was brilliant as well. Yeah, really there, were a couple, there were a couple of really top tries, and we'd probably soften them up by that stage. So it, it, was, it was certainly impressive. I really felt like Joe Schmidt's game plan, he, it's, he's really suited to playing, particularly South Africa and France. I would back us, a Joe Schmidt team, against <laughs> South Africa and France for the next 10 years. But the uh, it was so forward-thinking our style of play, I thought, you know, looking for space, the things that everybody bangs on about. And it was so progressive and everything about South Africa, you could see they had a vague notion of the way the sport of rugby has gone over the last five years, but they're <laughs> miles behind. And Kutsi is gone. I mean, there's not, a ch- people are talking about, you know, we're going to play them in the World Cup in a couple of years' time. Kutsi is going to be gone. Erasmus be, is back. It's Erasmus will be, be very different. New coaches, new halfbacks, I would hope for South Africa's sake. There's no way they'll have those halfbacks. Yeah. Um, and I think they'll get a couple of the big names who are up in Europe. Like somebody like Dwayne Vermeulen would change South Africa quite a bit. They'll still have a good front five. So I wouldn't be massively optimistic about the World Cup quarterfinal based on that. Shane Horgan's post-match analysis got a little squeezed on Saturday night with the football taking place immediately afterwards. So we're given plenty of time here with Jerry Thorney. And we're going to chat to Rathnew, Captain Leighton Glynn, about the shock of the year in the GA, Murph. Yeah, Owen, I'm trying to think of something bigger. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. It, the, see, club championships are a little strange, you know? Like, it's it's not quite uh, a kind of like-for-like like situation, you know? that Like, the, all of them, all, all of these county champions exist in their own bubble mm. of, you know, s- sometimes massive success. Like, Rathney have won four of the last five. It's the exact same as Vincent's, actually. They've won four of the last five Wicklow County Championships. And something that, like, I'll be interested to hear Leighton's view on as well, that this this idea that... Belief actually counts for quite a lot, particularly in Ockram in November when your opponents maybe have taken their eye off the ball, having beaten a Ballymun team with six of the Dublin squad that's won their third All-Ireland in a row. You know, that like it's it's not a case of, OK, let's just give it a rattle. It's like, 
these guys have lost one game in the Wicklow Senior Championship in five years. They're well used to winning. And when it comes down to the last 10 minutes of these games, they actually know exactly what to do. And that's something that, you know, you do kind of forget. It's like, well, Sharat knew, you know, like they're like, you know, they're they're going out there expecting to lose. But they haven't expected to lose a game in five years. You know what I mean? Or if, if they maybe if they've played the Dublin champions and they were not going all that well, they might feel like, OK, this is probably a step too far. But every time they go on the field, they win games. So it's not actually it's not actually as out there maybe as as people think, because belief does count for a hell of a lot when the weather is a little bit of a of a leveler. You're playing at home. It is a champions with with no disrespect though, Murph, of Wicklow versus the champions of Dublin at a time when Dublin football is as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, I know. Like w- without a doubt, when I saw the result, I wasn't like, well. So that of course, yeah, but now you're, you're, you're applying logic <laughs> yeah, to it almost it's, after the fact. Yeah, it's kind of after the fact logic. But, you know, you do kind of think, yeah, if, if, uh, if shocks are to happen at any grade of the GA world, these provincial championship games are probably the place most likely for it to happen because every team that's in it are winners. You know, there are no whipping boys because all the teams that are in the provincial championships, club championships, have spent all your winning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was still a pretty, pretty brilliant result. All right, before all that, we should let you know, if you don't know already, that the Second Captain's Podcast is honoured to be nominated as Podcast of the Year by the Football Supporters Federation in the UK. You know the way anytime there's an election or a referendum, the message is, it's important to get out there, mm. get to the ballot box, express your democratic right, no matter what you actually do with that vote. Yeah. Just get out and vote. In this case, if you're not voting second captains... Yeah, don't, don't, don't bother. Don't, don't bother. Don't, don't exercise your democratic I mean, We're not right. here for the democratic process. No. We're here to win this Exactly. Thing so either take 30 seconds out of your day, go to fsf.org.uk forward slash vote. That's fsf.org.uk forward slash vote and vote for us. Or just save the 30 seconds. Do something else entirely with it. Yeah. Any suggestions? Uh, Peel and eat two-thirds of a banana. I mean, you could probably eat the whole banana in 30 seconds, but I don't want you getting indigestion either. While you're at it, join the many new members who've signed up to our World Cup playoff coverage over the past week. Indeed, they've signed up to hear that World Cup playoff uh, coverage on the World Service. It includes a bonus show presented by Ken from Copenhagen on Saturday night. And of course, all our Danish friends who joined us last week, including our new best bud, Brian Laudrup, was among our guests. Good luck for everyone, and here it goes. Denmark, Republic of Ireland. When we look down at the Irish squad, it's not that many names that ring a bell. We have the slight upper hand in these two games. But I'll tell you something, he went down in my estimation when he said that. We have the slight upper hand. I've never heard so much rubbish in my life. Why do we have to listen to that garbage? We have not resorted to that. It's always tough to play any British, British, British team. Can I appeal to the British government to please leave our country? It's always tough to play any British team. A lot of things have been said over the last few days. Some of it slanderous. Despite his British team outburst, there has been a lot of love from World Service members for Brian Loudrup there. Paula Hanley tweeted, My dormant Brian Loudrup crush reawakened. I blame second captains. That was responded to by Michael Ellison, who says, Back off, Paula. There's a cue. <laughs> so you know the drill. Go to secondcaptains.com forward slash join and become a member of the World Service for a fiver a month plus VAT and support independent journalism and get access to dreamboat guests like Brian Loudrup. An interview our World Service members can look forward to this week is a brand new The Players Chair with Richie Sadler. Richie is interviewing the former Spurs and Liverpool player Paul Stewart 
who will undoubtedly, well, that's going to undoubtedly be a very powerful conversation. So you can go to secondcaptains.com forward slash join for that. Jerry Thornley, how are you? Very good, thank you. Shane Horgan, good to go? Yep. Good to hear. Listen, a 35-point win over South Africa, Jerry. On mm-hmm. paper, that's one of the all-time great results, yeah. as, as I said to Simon earlier on. But is it possible to overlook how big a part South Africa played in their own downfall? It's impossible to overlook how bad South Africa were. Um, I've very rarely come out of the Aviva Stadium and met so many supporters whose first comment after a brilliant Irish <laughs> win was about the opposition. Yeah. I've very rarely heard it so often and how bad Springboks were. People were quite shocked and taken aback. And this was the vast bulk of the side that had come within a point of beating the All Blacks last time out when the All Blacks won courtesy of one charge down try and one and kick chase and then one intercept try off a turnover. Um, it's really quite extraordinary they came that close to the All Blacks. That was clearly looks more and more like a one-off, whereas this is the latest in a, a truckload of embarrassments to be heaped upon them. About the Springboks, that is, when you think of Japan beating them in the World Cup and you think of Italy beating them last year and you think of that 57-0 beating by the All Blacks um, when the All Blacks still had something to play for. Um, their half-backs were poor. Their... Um, running game was one-dimensional, uh, very limited. They were incapable of catching a cold in the air, never mind the ball. Um, their kick chase was non-existent. You have to give credit to the Irish defence that they'd done their homework. They pushed up just the cohesion. For the, the vantage point of being in the ground, it's a bit, bit like TV, I suppose. You see the cohesion and the speed of the line, of that defensive line, how effective they were in the tackle, how good they were over the ball. Um, CJ Stander, typical of so many players who produced his best performance this season by some distance so far. Uh, I think Ireland won seven turnovers, the breakdown. Their scrum was dominant. Um, Bundyaki added real energy to the midfield. There wasn't a bad performance a lot. And I think probably what pleased uh, Joe Schmidt the most is that he wanted to expand the squad's strength and depth. And every one of the bench came on and made a big impact. I think there were seven players who had a total of 12 caps uh, on the pitch at the end of the game. And they were all making very positive contrib- contributions, some wonderful tries. It was prosaic in, in the third quarter, but it's funny how often a dominant team pulls clear at the end and gets the reward at the end and rugby more so than any other sport. What do you reckon, Shane? Is there a danger that some of that great Irish work is being and has been overlooked due to what South Africa produced or didn't produce? Yeah, um, I think there's an element of that. Um, I, I hope the players recognise that beating South Africa, even at, um, a sub-standard South Africa, to that scoreline, it was incredibly impressive. I just was worried that I saw them come off the field. I know sort of this, in the modern age of, of professional rugby, you're always looking at the next game and where's your next challenge. But also, I think that it does no harm to sometimes indulge yourself in a, in a little bit of celebration and say, yeah, we, we did well. Um, and, you know, we are, you know, we, we get to enjoy beating a South Africa, which is now becoming a very a commonplace thing for Ireland. And I would just wonder if South Africa are, are becoming uh, are becoming the new France, you know, so, some uh, a team that we we attribute qualities to that um, that they no longer possess. And, um, you know, I think the, the, the bookies only had us five-point favourites and we just dominated every element of that game. Um, it was very much a Joe Smith uh, performance that was um, conservative in, in uh, for long periods. Basic skills were, you know, demand, demanded to be executed perfectly and on the whole they did. Breakdown was really, really exceptional. Um, when you're looking at, um, you know, CJ Stander at that, Peter O'Mahony, and that the way they identified when the opportunity was to go in and steal the ball. And as Jerry said, they had a, a huge amount of turnovers. Their defensive line speed was really fast. Um, their tackling was strong, uh, whether it be a chop or whether it be, um, you know, to hit, hit up to, to look to 
to turn over. Um, you know, their their basic skills were, were strong all over the pitch and, and then they cut loose in the last ten minutes with a with a a really good amalgam of um, the players that remained on, but also the the bench that uh, came on to 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 be finishers, and that's exactly what they were. Yeah, Shane, was that maybe the most impressive thing about the Irish performance? A that last ten minutes, but B in those ten minutes, it involved lots of subs. Obviously, um, say the last try involved players, as you were saying, from all four provinces. Um, new caps coming together, uh, a totally new backline. You know, the likes of Kilcoyne doing a pullback, Carberry coming in at the perfect angle, Henshaw with the wide pass, Stockdale with the finish. You know, there's a lot of different elements coming together there for your first game in international rugby of the season. That, for me, certainly was the thing I was most impressed by Ireland. Yeah, I think their patience was really impressive as well. They were probably more patient than I, as players than I was as a viewer. To be honest with you, I would have liked them to maybe up the um, the risk level a, a little bit higher because uh, or a little bit earlier because I thought they had a, a, an opportunity to to score even earlier against uh, South Africa. And we saw them cut them open in the first half, especially off set phase. I thought uh, at both scrum and line-out time, South Africa are notoriously uh, easy to break down off that. I think if if, they're ex- if uh, your first phase attack is executed well, I think we are maybe the best in the world at first phase breaking the line attacking play. And so I, I would have liked them to be a, a little bit more um, um, definitive at going after them at that, that uh, point. But yeah, their patience paid off. They did exactly what you'd assume uh, Joe Schmidt said in the game plan what he values in players as well is a very low mistake um, count um, a very high work rate and then we saw the bit of uh, finesse near the end uh, when uh, playing against a tiring defence because we outworked them and we made them tackle for long periods and, and play in defensive positions and, and play uh, without the ball so that level of patience was really impressive for me from a kind of a strategic point of view, although not you know not from a viewership one. And then you're right, um, the fact that there's a real there's a, there's something different about the way this Irish team uh, finishes out games using their uh, the bench. I would have almost again I would have lacked the patience. I would have liked to have seen them come on a little bit earlier, um, um, but they you know. Joe, Joe Smith got it right. He wanted the, 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 to to really sap everything out of the South Africans before he brought them on. He did. They upped uh, the level quite significantly, I think. They upped the ambition level as well, which was important. And then there was a reaction by the players who were on the field uh, and their ambition changed. And you could you could see that certainly with Stockdale uh, given, being afforded more opportunities and, and, and going after them. Well, that was one thing. The amount of ball that both Conway and Stockdale got I mean Conway in the first 20 minutes got as many opportunities and involvements in the game as some wingers get in the whole Six Nations series it was incredible and if, if it's a guy who's coming in and trying to prove himself finally at international level that was the perfect way to come into it and Stockdale barely put a foot wrong the whole game it always strikes me and Shane you have direct experience of this of how much um, Joe Schmidt gets out of his wingers maybe it's because he was a winger himself but he's He's particularly good at getting whatever standard they're at or whatever they're good at, they become better at it with Ireland. I mean, we, we've talked about Dave Kearney ad nauseum at this stage, how for Ireland, like he just seems a different player and he always plays to his full um, capacity. But then we saw the game with Conway and Stockdale, you know, the biggest game of his career, and he, he looked like so confident and so competent the whole time. 
Yeah, he's very demanding of what he expects from uh, wingers, and I think that uh, sometimes you know where you're coaching bigger picture, the wingers can sort of get left out. You're right; it's kind of just that they're kind of an add-on to the end. Whereas with Joe Smith, that's not the case. Uh, he's very detailed in his instructions to, the, to to wingers. He's very detailed in what he expects from them, and uh, if they don't deliver on that. Uh, he's he's uh, he, he will not pick them for one, and he'll criticise them. And Andrew Conway is a great example of it because I remember he came into the Leinster team uh, very young and with a with a very big um, um, uh, what you call it um, reputation, reputation uh, yeah, reputation behind him. Sorry, and coming straight out of school. And um, I remember he he actually scored. I think he scored a try or maybe two tries in his debut. And you know we had a significant win and win. And we did a uh, an assessment of the game afterwards. And Joe hauled him all over <laughs> the coals because I think it was against Edinburgh, and he didn't um, he didn't work hard enough back on the pendulum and it was he didn't and it was obvious and you could see it and he highlighted it on the video and it became very clear and he hauled them all over the codes and that was what uh, Joe pulled out of that not the two tries that he scored and, and you know he, he made reference to them he said listen that's you know expectation is what that's what we want you to do but also this is the real thing we want you to do and I think that gives you an insight into what Joe um, um, demands from his wingers but also as well what uh, why he picks the players he does pick and, and I think there's lots of chat about you know different wingers he hasn't picked over the years and why he's put you know Rob Carney or uh, a fullback ahead of other people and it's because he really wants the fundamentals of the game uh, he, he counts them as the most important thing now listen he likes flair as much as the next man but flair comes after that the first things you have to do is deliver uh, your basic skills and, and you know I, I thought both our wingers did that really well uh, at the weekend Jerry Conway is a nice little test case, isn't he, in Irish rugby? This guy who came out with the swashbuckling style from schools rugby, big reputation, a la Darcy and Luke Fitzgerald and all these schools players. And the reason he's now picked for Ireland is because he does the exact opposite. He's brilliant in the air. He's really solid in defence, reads the game well, is consistent, as he's talked about this weekend. You know, it's consistency now is what's got him picked for Ireland. Yeah, he he always had flair, he always had pace, he had X-Factor, he scored a truckload of tries at an under-20 World Cup and it looked like he would have a Luke Fitzgerald-type career. But I do remember him, uh, Leinster, turning up at a, another provincial venue once early in his career and asking somebody who knew the underage game very well what they thought of him. He said, yeah, he's a great finisher, he's very quick, but uh, he needs to improve his defensive work, he needs to improve his position, he needs to improve uh, his aerial skills, he needs to, needs to improve his kicking. These are things you probably didn't get to do an awful lot of when you're just running in tries every week for Black Rock College and Leinster schools and Irish schools. And you're right, he's had to almost reinvent himself. He's almost not the same winner that started out on the professional journey. And I'd say it's in many respects all the sweeter form as a result of that. Um, he still has a little bit of pace and footwork to get away from um, uh, Malcolm Marks when he grabbed the ball when their winner couldn't catch Murray's box kick. But uh, he works, when he got a couple of runs in, in the second half, he worked hard to come back in field. And just thinking about what Shane was saying there, when that lovely set-piece move that released Stockdale through the middle from Sexton's inside pass, Stockdale throws a pass out. People were giving out to Conway in the old days, some said to me, would have scored from there, but actually Stockdale's pass made him jump to catch the ball, mm. stopped his momentum. Even then, he worked hard to take two tackles, and the first two players there to affect the clear-out, as good as any flankers, were Rob Carney and Jacob Stockdale, and that's what keeps the movement alive, and that just goes back to what Shane was saying as well. Um, and then he... He's, 
seamlessly steps in at full back once Sweetenham comes on. It's him who gives the last pass, a beauty of a pass, right to left to Stockdale for the final try of the game, the final pass of the game. And, you know, he's he's now going to be probably a fixture in the squad and he's and he's earned it the hard way. He's improved his aerial skills beyond belief. He's improved all those other aspects of his game to become much more of a complete winner. And you have to tick all those boxes in the Joe Schmidt one, in the Joe Schmidt game plan. Another one for me that was very interesting, I watched closely, was Rob Herring, a player we know very little about, seen as something of a journeyman player, picked ahead of Sean Cronin and Tracy and to... to the mystification of many people. I watched him closely. His darts were pretty good apart from one. He was at the end of a mauling try. But that time that South Africa kicked through the length of the pitch and chased upfield and Rob Carney had to go back and retrieve the ball and he goes into contact. The first player back there to effect the clear out is Rob Herring. That other time when Joey Carby put in the cross kick for Darren Sweetenham who did very well to keep the ball in play. He's tackled by two players. It's a turnover. It's never a try unless the first player there makes a clear two-man clear out and it's Rob Herring. You know, and I think mm. that's what you want for, if he gets that. I don't know whether he'd get that from Sean Crone as much, but that's partly, obviously, why Rob Herring was in the squad, which surprised a few of us. What there did, you go. What did you make of Bundyaki's uh, input, Shane? Um, yeah, sorry, just on those two things, just yeah. before I speak about Bundyaki, they are the things also that will be identified in, in the, the review. Um, yeah. In the meeting, yeah. either this morning or, or, or during the week. Um, his impact, um, Rob's impact, as I said, I, I, and that was sort of the tone of, of a lot of the players as well, their accuracy at, at rook time when outnumbered very often against big South Africans, was, their technique was so perfect, and tight furlong was the same, was so perfect, it allowed them not to give away the penalty and to recycle ball uh, in areas that you thought was unlikely. So that would be highlighted. The other one will be highlighted, and we spoke about Stockdale. That pass that was slight, that slightly made um, Conway jump. jump. That'll be highlighted as well because that's one of the basic skills that Joe Schmidt will want uh, him to refine. And that's it's as simple as you know catching, and that's in the air, jumping, making sure you control uh, the area around that, uh, passing, and uh, and rooking. And after that, and, you know, and you add on to that uh, kicking for a, for a winger. Um, after that, it's 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 all gravy. But those things have to be delivered 100% to a very high standard. So it's interesting that the, I think there'll be the things that um, that Joe. Smith picks out and when you do that when you pick it out for a couple of players either, either a positive or a negative it really gets into the rest of the squad and they recognise actually I know what this guy wants and Joe Smith has always been good especially with his wingers and, and his backs by telling them why they're getting picked and why they're not getting picked it's pretty obvious I don't think people are shocked when they don't get in the team and Joe Smith is there because he makes it very clear um, why you should be there you know and so that leads us on to, to Bundyaki, yep. who, who you know probably d- delivered a lot of the traits that um, that you know Joe expected from him. Without being, I didn't think without kind of being stand out. He just he didn't make any mis- mistakes. His line speed was good. Um, you know he carried it strongly. Um, I think we saw you know, a couple of times uh, some of his limitations uh, in that. There's a couple of opportunities to pass. Um, that were you know he just didn't look as comfortable and ended up tucking the ball and taking it into contact. But um, you know, for a guy who had um, a lot of uh, pressure on him coming into the match, and and he really did. I think he was um, he you know he delivered a good performance. Jerry, do you think it, we have to disregard this game in terms of the World Cup match that may or may not happen between these two teams in the knockout stages? Given that, but in one way, it's quite clear that 
Joe Schmidt's Ireland are very good against South Africa, so that's and, and seem to be always very well prepared against them. But this is going to be a completely different team. There'll be a different coach. Razio Rasmus is going to be back there. They'll be they might be able to entice players back. Oh, they and will. So on. Yeah, yeah, they will. You know, Jan Serfentine was a big loss in midfield when you think of how Damien they and they played there. Um, Dwayne Vermeulen, player like that. You know, they, they'll bring back a few. You'd imagine who are playing abroad at the moment. Um, and one imagines Razi Erasmus and Jack, Jack Nienebar will be much more hands-on by then as well and be surprised, really, if Alistair Coates is still at, um, the head coach come the World Cup meeting. I don't think it's any harm Ireland giving them a good beating if they're not to meet again before the World Cup. Um, there's no harm in Ireland going into that game with um, a degree of self-cons and knowing that they've won six of the last nine meetings now at Springboks. This is just total reversal of history. A bit like Shane was saying, that maybe self-guard, the new France, because Ireland have reversed the history with France as well. Um, yeah, maybe the South Africa will be a little bit, they'll carry that around their back pocket and look at it and it might be a source of motivation for them. But on balance, I think it's no harm that Ireland gave them a good spanking before they meet again the World Cup quarterfinals, most possibly. What can we expect from the next couple of games, uh, Shane? Is there, is there? I don't want to be writing off Argentina because we've done that <laughs> a few times in the past. But, but they it, did struggle with South Africa in the recent championship. Yeah, so uh, I don't see them being massively better than South Africa. On, on the form line that, that we're looking at at the moment, is there a chance that there could be two more facile wins against Fiji and Argentina? Yeah, I think, I think we're certainly staring down the barrel of that, all right, uh, which, which um, it's, it's hard to be too um, negative about because, you know, you get three wins in an in a autumn series is, is a you know, very positive thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see who gets picked this weekend, um, what type of, of play, uh, style of play they go after. I don't think it will be, even though it will be Luther, it might even be more of a challenge for this Irish team against Fiji, but uh, I don't think, I think we'll see again um, uh, them reverting to delivering their basic skills really well and then hoping for the team to break, whether that, whether the, um, the Fiji team break earlier or not um, we'll see at the weekend and then I would say a very similar um, type of game plan will be implemented against uh, um, Argentina, I think that Argentina will uh, provide more of a challenge than uh, South Africa um, and also they will have Ireland will have a couple of games under the belt but they will also have played a couple of physical games so there may be some uh, toll there but um, I think there would be a much more impassioned um, display from um, from Argentina. I think South Africa, uh, although they have had you know results against Argentina, um, they played with so little passion and so little intensity yesterday. It was almost like they were trying to self sabotage, mm. and it was almost like they were done with this coach and right. Uh, again, I think um, Argentina um, are, are tactically they are they are more astute than the South African team, and that's the that's the ongoing issue I have w- with South Africa. You know, they do play, they do get the odd result here and there, and you know, if you want to take that, you know, the close loss New Zealand as part of it. I watched the play, I watched it, and I I enjoyed it for the spectacle it was. But tactically, I thought, well, this is this is nothing new from South Africa. They haven't um, they haven't come up with a new way to break New Zealand down, and that's uh, ultimately going to consistently beat them what they've done is they've just played really really hard physical game they've done a traditional um, South African performance which is plan A go hard plan B uh, is plan A go harder and um, it was never going to be I don't think it's it's going to be successful in, in world rugby now you might get teams on a, a, a an off day if they don't produce a physical performance and that will be enough to win uh, as was nearly the case against New Zealand but consistently it's not going to be and um, I think if Ireland um, you know deliver that that um, level of, of physicality and, and passion and, and connectivity to to uh, 
uh, the game against Argentina. I doubt that Ireland should uh, should win the day. But if they don't, or if they're off, um, just like um, you know, has been the case in the past. If you're not physically, you know, fifty percent of the game that's physical. If you're not there uh, up to to match Argentina on that, then you know they'll beat you. Shane, Jerry, brilliant stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks a million. New Zealand to Ray Cotty getting for the try on the near side of the pitch. Oh, yeah, I don't believe it. Ryan Cotty scores. Oh, my goodness. They've managed it. It's 22 each. Have you got a chance? Uh, no. No, uh, I genuinely would be happy with a 20-point differential. What? I think, I think that would be a success, yeah. Losing by 20 points would be a success? Yeah. Come on. Losing by 20 points would be a success? Yeah. Come on. Six minutes to play. Now Mario out of Carberry, still running with the ball, Zebo in a bit of space, and there's plenty of room too, All Blacks flying back in defence, off it goes to Julian Sarvera, he can't go anywhere, five metres from. Oh, what a play from Ireland, this is it really, this is it for Ireland, they can put this in, this one out of reach. I don't expect, I do not expect them, unless they are demanded to by the referee to release this ball from the scrum. Less than five minutes. Here's Heaslip. Well, he picks it up quickly and off he goes. Drops it off the Henshaw! Robbie Henshaw scores it! They did it! He bangs it down and oh my goodness, I think DRI Silence, this could be it for Ireland. Handy conversion for Joey Carberry to make his contribution on debut. All Blacks charge. Up go the flags. In the making, and they are really good for an island. They deserve this, and what a night it's going to be! What a triumph it is for Joe Smith, Kiwi boy, who's engineered some real history. Into the grandstand it goes. Ireland beat the All Blacks for the first time. It was a fairly epic sporting weekend, Murph, certainly the Saturday night. So I would imagine a lot of people would not have still been up at five in the morning to mm. watch Kieran Whelan and. Marty Clark trying to look as though they were wide awake. <laughs> they did a, they, they, they did Marty a good did job. A, I was Marty did a better job than Kieran Wheeler. They, they both, they right both did. Just it. look, it's hard. It's impossible. Even if you go to bed at eight o'clock in the evening, yeah, and then you're getting up at three or something. It's you're still getting up at three in the morning. Yeah, and there's nothing you can really do about that. As shift workers anywhere will probably be able to tell you. But it does strike me that that was a nonsense having having the game on at that time. I'm not talking about Orman. That's not yeah. a decision. That's the decision made in Australia. But how you agree to to give this thing another shot a sport that only has two television markets mm. and completely stick the middle finger up to one of those markets yeah, I mean, is ha- beyond me like ha- like half eight is is perfectly doable oh, it's fine. a pretty e- long three it's a pretty you know it's three hours in the difference half seven in, or something in the Australian evening yeah and but it just completely takes anyone watching I mean I sat down to watch it at 11am after me Sunday morning breakfast and I was like I could live tweet this I mean I could arrange I'm sure 300 people to all watch it simultaneously with me all fast forwarding the ads at exactly the same speed I mean it was outrageous I mean I I, I, I didn't find one person who was waiting up or getting up early after that to watch the international rules I mean you know this is the international rules 
it needs a helping hand. That's that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I know that the, the the game next week is on at eight thirty a.m. on a Saturday morning, which you would think would get a far greater audience. It's also the final ever match in Subiaco Oval in Perth, which is a famous stadium there. Yeah. So there's a big, it's a sellout. So there'll be a bit more of a sense of occasion around full yeah. stop. I would have thought. And, yeah, and I mean, you know, the game was the game got a big crowd. It was twenty five thousand. Uh, you know, which is a perfectly respectable uh, crowd. I mean, the place was still probably half empty, but I mean, it was still, you know, it it, it wasn't a farcical uh, occasion by any stretch of the imagination. And it's obvious that it does matter still greatly to the, both to the, to certainly to the Irish players that are over there and the Australians seem very happy to win the thing as well. But yeah, I mean, it's a gargantuan blunder, particularly given the week, the, the weekend that was in it. <laughs> To be playing this game at five AM and yeah, well, I suppose time. yeah. Well, they wouldn't have known that we we're going to be in a. They didn't. It, didn't. it didn't seem like anyone in Australia cared too much about how many people could watch it live mm. in in Ireland. So we'll see if it, if it kind of hits the radar a little bit more for the second leg, the second test. St Vincent's have won four of the last five Dublin Championships. Won the All Ireland in 2014. They've supplied a number of the key players to the greatest Dublin team of all time. But all that counted for nothing in Ockram yesterday. Leighton Glynn, congratulations! What a win! Yeah, yeah, thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, great, great, great victory. And look, we're all delighted. The club's on a high and it's fantastic. I saw James Stafford afterwards who, who got the clinching goal. We knew that if we were in it for the last 10 minutes, we'd have a great chance. Maybe it's Rathnew's spirit or pure ignorance. I don't know. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, probably a bit of both. A bit of ignorance in there, all right. But um, I look, that was the plan all along just to be to be in it when it came to the melting pot and just give ourselves a chance and look we played some fantastic football and you know at times Vincent did struggle with us and um, that kind of gave us the confidence as the game was going on you could see our lads were chests out and you know getting taller and putting in a great effort so um, we're just over the moon with it Yeah and James uh, James Stafford's contribution at the end was absolutely vital I mean I uh, remember covering quite a few games in Ockram during Mikko's time and James Stafford was just unbelievable in, on so many occasions uh, kind of throughout that era and he got the last 1-2 I think in the last 10 minutes to, to win it for you yesterday Yeah, yeah he just drove on the last kind of 10 minutes look the bigger the game um, the kind of the better staff tends to play like you know he just really rises to the occasions and um like a little ploy we kind of use with him every so often. He drifts in there and he's, he's such a big fella. Like, you know, if he, if, he, if the ball comes in any way right at all, he can get a hand on it. And he took it down lovely and buried it in with the left foot as well. You've got to stop telling us about these ploys. You've got a Leinster title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you where they came from. It seems so. It's obviously a huge shock, but I guess it's a little bit different. Well, it's very much different to say it's Wicklow playing Dublin or whatever it might be like you guys are perennial champions yourselves you've you've got that confidence that comes from beating everyone in your own county so often so maybe it's a, a very different mindset to what it would be if it was a county team taking on the Dubs for example yeah 100% you know we're used to winning in Wicklow and we have that belief so that shouldn't be any different when you step outside the county you know you can't just switch that off if you like um, so I kind of we honestly believed for the last two weeks that we were gonna we were gonna win the game, and it's not as staff said, it's not like arrogance or ignorance. You know, it's just a belief that's within the group, and we got a good look at Vincent's um, their semi final on on TV and their final, and the management went up to Parnell Park for the final. So we just thought teams tended to sit off them too much and kind of concede kickouts and let them build and let them play their football. So we just wanted to push up, go man to man, and 
you know, make it as difficult as possible for, for all their players, you know, not giving any of them a kind of a handy run where we'd be defensive and they'd start building from the back. Because they are, they're a really stylish football team. And you've seen that against Ballymun, you know, Ballymun couldn't get a hand on them, but they were playing too defensively, we thought. And look, another day we could go out and if we played that game 10 times, Vincent, Vincent might win at nine, you know. That's an interesting way of looking at it. So the, the, a couple of the Dublin teams maybe are just showing them a bit too much respect, do you think? Like, that can happen, yeah, I think, because they're so dominant up there. We find it as well in Wicklow, teams tend to play defensively against us. Um, I suppose it's just natural, you know, you're seeing them dominating. And we just, we just had that feeling and we, can't, we couldn't change our tactics in two weeks to play defensively because then we'd be, we'd be at nothing changing our game, you know. Um, we've never played that way, so um, we just had to play the way we played. And obviously, you're aware of the talent they have, and some players like Dermot and these guys, you know, Shane Carty, that can that can hurt you. But as regarding playing defensively, no, we we never we never looked at a pond that way. Was this the biggest shock win that you've been involved in late? And I think people are talking about 2001. You guys beat Nafina all those years ago. Yeah, they had a very talented team that day. Um, Back then as well, yeah, Kieran McGinney, Sherlock, Farrell, Senan Collin, all these names and um we drew the final with them and um won the replay, yeah. Won it kind of handy enough in the end in extra time. I think we kicked on and won it by eight or nine points. So we had that bit of belief from that. I know it's a long time ago, but that there was three of us that started yesterday that would have started that final and five or six that were involved with the panel. They would have been young fellas at the time. Yeah, and one of the, one of those guys was actually Damien Power, the man who did the man marking job on Jeremy Connolly. Was that right? He's yeah, he yeah. Was all the way back. Would have been cornerback back in two thousand and one. He was probably on the likes of Jason Sherlock or someone like that. So Power has his wealth of experience in the county football. He was the fullback under Mikko's time and Harry's. So he done a good job on Dermot. To be fair, Dermot played a good bit out the field. He wasn't in front of our goal, which we were happy enough with. Um, Power put the shackles on him enough that he wasn't getting good clean ball into their full forward line, into Mossy and and these lads inside. So, yeah, he was power was brilliant, fantastic. Just one last one, Leighton. We were talking uh, before chatting to you before getting you on here about the international rules, and obviously it wouldn't have been on your radar much given your own big game. But th- this is uh, it was through that series and the, some of your performance in it, performances in it that you would have got a big national profile has it lost a little bit of a bit of that magic do you think is there are you still a fan uh, it's hard to know i suppose when, when you're involved with it it's um it's brilliant you know you're you're giving it everything because it is the only opportunity for for a, a guy player if you like or a footballer to to represent our country you know and just the fact that you represent your country is is it's a great honour, you know, and every player that was involved in it, like when you were speaking together when we were down under and stuff, like that was the thing, you're getting to represent your country. But it just seems, uh, I don't know, it's hard to place a finger on it. Like there was no dubs involved this time round, you know, because of club action. Is it in the wrong time of the year or on the calendar in the wrong place? I'm, I'm just not sure, but I'd like to see it continue because it gives opportunities like guys like myself or, you know, Brendan Murphy's and Carlo or... You know, from so-called weaker counties mm. to kind of show what they can do on a bigger stage. You know, absolutely. Well, listen. In the meantime, we wish you well in the rest of your Leinster campaign, Leighton. Great to talk to you. 
All the best, lads. Thank you. Modern day coaching. What is it all about? Paralysis by analysis. Infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers. Fellas with earpieces stuck in their ears. Psychologists, Clyde Woodward, statisticians, dietitians, and as Mick O'Connell alluded to, God save us. That's kind of an interesting angle that Leighton has there. That he reckons the teams in Dublin are just showing them a little too much respect. Yeah, you don't have you don't actually have to play defensively against St. Vincent's in order to curb their attacking prowess. You can just give them something, a little something to think about yeah. as well. And it was interesting. I mean, he he did mention uh, Damian Parr. I mean, I, was, I I wasn't at the game on Sunday, but I I did read a number of uh, very good reports on the man marking job that that Damian Parr had done on Jeremy Connolly. I mean, it was you know you give a guy a job like that you expect Connolly to to do a couple of brilliant things in the game but to you know get up in Jeremy Connolly's face and try and mark him uh, which is what Ballymun singularly failed to do in the Dublin I mean I went to the Dublin County final I literally could not believe what I was watching that Jeremy Connolly was being marked by uh, one player inside the 45 and then once he went outside the 45 Ballymun kind of drifted Philly McMahon onto him I mean, mm. what what is going on? I mean, it's Jeremy Connolly. Like, if Vincents are good enough to beat you without Jeremy Connolly, then the best of luck to them. But I mean, like, I just felt it was embarrassing nearly to be beaten by Jeremy Connolly scoring 1-2 and being by a mile the best player in the field in a Dublin County final. When you have John Small, Philly McMahon, James McCarthy, you've three of the guys tailor-made to man-mark Jeremy Connolly and Ballymun didn't do it. I mean, it, it just struck me as completely bizarre. And uh, it turns out Rathenew decided, right, well, wherever he goes, you go, get up in his grill, try and annoy him a little bit, get in his face, be physical, and there you go. Yeah, you give yourself a chance at least. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, there are ways to win and lose games, I think, and the one way you don't want to lose is to let the other team's best player just run riot and do whatever the hell he liked for 60 minutes. So there you go. We've got a football podcast to record ahead of the second leg of Ireland versus Denmark. Thanks, Kieran. Thank you, Owen. Thanks very much, Simon. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.